Well, good morning. Uh, we are starting a brand new teaching series for the next four weeks. Uh, this series is called Parables. And as you might be able to guess, uh, we are going to be talking about the parables of Jesus. And so over the next four weeks, we'll be unpacking a parable a week and uh, just seeing what truth uh, they hold for us today. And uh, before we kickstart, let's, I think it's important we, we get... Um, get really clear about what a parable is, considering that, you know, we don't often hear the word parable in contemporary vernacular, so it's good to get a a healthy working definition. And I guess probably the clearest uh, description uh, that we could have of a parable is that it is a story that is told to provide a vision for life, and in particular, a vision for life in God's kingdom. So when we see Jesus in particular giving parables in the four Gospels, um, What we are seeing here is him tell stories that provide a vision for, uh, obviously for the hearers uh, then at that particular time in history, but also providing a vision for us as we read back retrospectively for what life is like in God's kingdom. In a sense, he reveals uh, both God as king and both God's kingdom and how it functions and how we work and operate in that uh, many of Jesus' parables, as you would read them, grow out of um, situations where uh, there, there is conflict between him and the religious people of the day. And so, so these parables are a response to the religious criticism that he was getting from the Pharisees and the like about the way he operated and pushed against the societal norms and the religious norms 2,000 years ago. So, so there's, like a, there's like a gentle rebuke that Jesus uses stories to correct uh, the, the misthinking of the religious leaders. Um, his parables are, are not merely clever stories uh, as much as they are a proclamation of the gospel message. You see, the hearer of the parable is left with a response that they must make about the kingdom of God and the king of that kingdom, God himself. And so when Jesus is delivering these parables, when he's delivering these visions of kingdom life, he leaves us, the hearer, with a decision to make. How are we going to respond to God? How are we going to respond in our life uh, in, in order to orientate our way of thinking so it aligns with God's kingdom way of operating and how are we going to interact with God as the king over his kingdom. So as I said, over the next month, we're going to be looking at a different parable each week and unpacking it to see uh, the truth of what it has for us today, to see the vision that Jesus is casting for kingdom life for us to step into in the context of the gospel. So today, uh, we're going to be looking at the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. So if you've got a Bible, would you turn to me to uh, turn with me to Luke chapter 15? So we're looking at the whole chapter of Luke 15 today as we read through uh, this parable together. Or I'll be reading this morning from the uh, ESV translation. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So if we press pause there, 
We see, as we mentioned before, that, that many of Jesus' parables came as a, a correction or a rebuke to religious criticism that he was receiving from, in particular, the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees and, and, and the like. And so, so this parable is no exception to that, that Jesus is here, the, paint, the, the story is being painted that he's hanging out with sinners, he's hanging out with people that, that, uh, that people in his position should not be hanging with, and so he's now copying a lot of religious flack from these people. So he gives them a parable to sort of put them in their place and give them a clear vision of kingdom life, not their religious worldview. Uh, so they grumbled, saying, this man uh, receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable, verse 4. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbours, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who need no repentance. Verse 8. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and her neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Verse 11. And then he said, There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into the far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. He ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead. And is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now, his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and he heard dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked him what these things meant. And he said to them, Your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and he refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. 
But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you and I have never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, when he comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is now found. What a beautiful passage. What a beautiful few stories there. And as I read through these, as I think about these, what what we often tend to do is separate these three parables and we will speak about them individually. We will will share a message around the lost sheep and we'll unpack what that means. We might share a story about the lost coin or or we might even, um, you know, more commonly take this lost son or the prodigal son story and we extrapolate that out and we see so many different things in that. And and all those things are true and good, but in context to what Jesus is doing here. These are one parable with three separate illustrations to prove one point. And so we need to realize and and read this as one parable with with three key components. And so there are are many things we could draw out of this passage. There's many uh, principles and truths and angles that we could take to, to see what Jesus is saying here. But there is... There is one angle I want to take today. This being Father's Day, I want to do two things. I want to talk a little bit about the Father heart. Are we going to see that in this passage? But also I want to respect Father's time this morning by giving us a short, sharp message. So this will not be a long message this morning. This will be quite a a short message, I promise you, or at least I hope to promise you. So what we see here in this passage, what's one thing that is clear is that We are valuable to God. You and I are valuable to God. See, in each of the three examples we just read in Luke 15, Jesus gives the obvious similarity that something has been lost. A sheep has been lost. A coin has been lost. A son has been lost. And in each case, the object remained valuable to the owner despite its lost condition. The sheep that was lost still remained valuable to the shepherd, even though it was lost. The coin remained valuable to the woman, even though it was lost. The son remained valuable to the father, even though he was lost. And what we can do, we could imagine our situation, right? or this situation in particular, and we could put like a, a humanistic lens over the top, and we could, we could probably justify for the shepherd, we could justify for the woman, and we could probably even justify for the father writing off their losses and moving on. You know, we could, we could justify that the shepherd would go, you know what, you've lost one sheep. And look, that's awful, but look, to be honest, you've still got 99 so, so why don't you just write that sheep off? You'd be fine in doing that and you could just move on with 99 and continue on. And even with the woman, you know, you could, you could write off that one lost coin. You've still got nine other coins. You've still got plenty, 90% of your wealth. Uh, that 10%, sure, that's missing, that's lost, that's terrible, but let's write that off and move on with the 90%. 
And, and, and even we could probably see this with, with the father to a certain degree. It's a bit different when you've got people involved as, a, as, a, as opposed to objects per se. But, but with the son, okay, the, the one son, he's gone wayward. He, he's gone lost. He's gone off the rail. He's rebellion, rebellious. He's, 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 he's far from you. But hey, you know what? It is what it is. He makes his own choices. We can write that off and go, you know, but you've got the one good son. You've got the older son who's faithful to you. He's reliable. He's dependable. Hey, at least you've still got him. And so in a humanistic sense, we could write off that loss in each one of those situations. But we see in all three examples, there's still this incredible sense of value for the lost item. We see value in the longing of the father for his lost son. We see it in the celebration when his son returns home and he throws the party and, 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 and throws the robe on his shoulders, the ring on his finger, the, the sandals on his feet. He kills the fattened calf. We see the celebration of, of, of his lost son now being found. We see the value in the diligent searching of the shepherd for the sheep, the diligent searching and sweeping of the house by the woman for the lost coin. There's a value attached to the lost item that's worthy of longing for, worthy of searching for, worthy of celebrating when it's reunited with its owner. And so the, the thing we can learn from this today is that we are lost. Humanity. The, the, the apple of God's creative eye, the, the pinnacle of all creation, human beings, we are lost. The sin in our heart, the rebellion in our behavior has uh, for millennia separated us from God. But even in our lost state, we remain, uh, sorry, we retain something of the image of God. We are the Imago Dei. We carry the DNA of the divine. We are made in the image of God. And as, as such, by very d d divine nature and design, we carry the image of God, which gives us um, infinite value and worth. And God loves us because he created us in his image. And he is determined to search and rescue for us, to find us and reclaim us back to him, even though we might be in a lost state apart from him. See, this parable is not empathizing with the lost state of the sheep. It's not empathizing with the lost state of the coin. It's not empathizing with the lost state of the son. What this parable is doing, what Jesus is saying here is he is um, emphasizing the loss sustained by the shepherd. He is emphasizing the loss sustained by the woman. He is emphasizing the loss sustained by the father. So what he is not empathizing with is our lost state necessarily, although he acknowledges that. But what he is emphasizing is God's heart towards us, his creation. He's emphasizing the loss sustained by the shepherd, the woman, and the father to prove the point that God desperately loves us, that in our lost state, God is longing to reconnect 
with us and have relationship with us. And, and all the while Jesus is being criticized by the religious people of the day for him associating with these so-called less than people, these sinners, these, these B-grade um, members of society, and he's getting criticized by us for associating with them. But Jesus is saying, no, no, no. This is the whole point. For me to display the, the Father's heart, for me to show a vision of what God's kingdom is like, that God values people regardless of their status in this world. And that Jesus came on a search and rescue mission, and so he demonstrates God's, father, God's fatherly heart by hanging out with these people to reaffirm their value and worth and their dignity, to know that in their lost state, God is desperate to reconcile them back to him. And see, the thing is, from your vantage point, from your experience in life, from your upbringing, from how you see things because of how people have spoken to you, what people have said to you, through your experiences in life, you may, co you may come to the conclusion that you are of zero value. You may come to the conclusion that you don't have any worth or any dignity. Right? And you are seeing things through your lens, through your worldview, through your experience in life. Now, let me just tell you, if we could just stop there, I, I understand and I empathize with that. And I'm not trying to discredit anybody's experience in life. But when we parallel that with God's vantage point, God, the author and sustainer of all life, God, God, the author and perfecter of our faith, God, the creator of all things, the almighty God who, who puts the universe and all of its functions in motion, from God's vantage point, he sees you as infinitely valuable and of infinite worth and worthy for him to send his son Jesus to come and die on a cross to pay the price for all of our sin and shame that has once separated us from him and put us in a state of lostness. His love sent Jesus to reconcile that so we could be reunited with him like the lost son is reunited with his father, like the lost coin is reunited with the woman, like the lost sheep is reunited with the shepherd, that there would be a celebration in heaven when God's created beings, the Imago Dei, are reunited to him through the sacrifice and the atoning price that was paid through Jesus' death and resurrection. All of that, the gospel message points to God's infinite love towards you and it points to your value and worth because of the, the lengths that God was prepared to go to to demonstrate how much he loves you. That we have immeasurable worth despite of our sinful state. So today, wherever you are, whatever you've experienced in life, please be encouraged by this parable. That God the Father sees you as valuable. And Jesus' job was to come to this earth and bring heaven to earth to create a way for us to be reconciled back to God the Father. And every time that happens, every time one of us turns away from our rebelliousness towards God and turns to obedience towards Him, all of heaven rejoices. Because once something was lost has now been found. 
Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for this message. I thank you for this, uh, this parable, Lord, that we have infinite value and worth, and it's demonstrated by your love for us. So God, would you bless us today? Would you bless us, who, those of us who think that we don't have value or worth, those of us who've believed the lie, those of us who have believed what people have said about us, Lord, that you would help us to cleanse our thinking and see ourselves as you see us, as valuable and worthy, because we are credited in your image. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.